Hi, everyone. Hope this finds you in good health, secure. Sita. Sita is an old term, old, old term. But it's used often in translations of the Lotus Sutra, uh, other modern, more modern Mahayana teachings anyway. If you read the Langavatara or the uh, Virmarkirti, you may come across Sita or some form of Sita. Um, Vasubandhu spent a tremendous amount of time talking about the Sitas. Yeah? So, again, in the Buddhism reference, it's not that you have to know this term in order to practice Lotus Sutra, Nichiren Doctrine, Buddhism. But you're going to run across it sooner or later in your studies, so you may as well have some clue as to what it's about. And it's interesting, these older terms, you can kind of see how they were built upon over time to our modern understanding, evolved in terminologies and in our depth of understanding of how the mind works. And Buddhism, after all, about the mind, yeah? So, Sita. This is a term used in early Buddhist oral traditions to discuss features of the mind. Used by Vasubandhu in his in-depth study of the skandhas as well as many other teachings and commentaries. From Wikipedia, there's an entry that says the Pali English Dictionary translates Sita as heart or heart mind. Now, I've talked about this before. Uh, Chinese likes this idea. They have a, a term Shen. Uh, it's actually one of the characters in the Quantum Life Buddhism uh, 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 characters uh, calligraphy that I have on the cover or the, the outside doors of that Butsudan behind me. Uh, it emphasizes, uh, emphasizing that it has more than the emotive side of the mind. In other words, the mind isn't simply the brain. The mind is a large compendium of influences, right? The 3,000 realms in a single thought moment. This is what Sita will lead us to that embroil what we mentally consider not heart the organ, but the heart being our, our internal roiling emotional or not necessarily emotional, but that the thing that drives us, the Taiji, the willful force that seems to is necessary for us to put any action into action, into actual action, right? Other than an idle thought to put to action. And that marries very much with Wuji, Taiji, Yin Yang, right? And that's in in the uh, early books I've written on the on the engine of life. Um, here we have yet another um, take on that, the heart-mind, as opposed to uh, manas, as the intellect in the sense of what grasps mental objects, dhamma, right? Sita is the object of meditation in the third part of Satipatthana, uh, also called the Four Foundations of Mindfulness. So you'll find here I'm making these references and Wikipedia is doing the same to these different aspects of early teachings of Shakyamuni. Not Lotus Sutra. This is provisional teachings. But again, it's, it's, it's good to know the alphabet if you're going to know how to spell words, yeah? All right. Sita primarily represents one's mindset or a state of mind. 
It is the term used to refer to the quality of mental processes as a whole. Sita is neither an entity nor a process. This likely accounts for its not being classified as a skanda, nor mentioned in the uh, uh, Patikasamupada, sorry for pronunciation formula, in Indian, uh, in Indian psychology, chitta is the seat and organ of thought, uh, the sitasa, the sintati, or sintati. Um, in Greek, uh, there's a, although on the whole it corresponds more to Homeric uh, Greek words, um, the complex casual nexus of volitions or intentions which one experiences continuously conditions one's thoughts, speech, actions, kind of what I would be talking about as epistemology, right? Um, one state of mind at any given time reflects that complex, thus the causal origin of actions, speech, and thoughts, is sometimes associated with the state of mind in a manner of speaking. This does not mean that it is that causal nexus. It is better understood as an abstract reflection. I think this is me now. I don't think this is, uh, yeah, that's no longer um, Wikipedia. Anyway, it is better understood as an abstract reflection. Uh, one's mindset can be out of tune with one's desires or aspirations in that it reflects the volitions the Sita is said to go off with a will of its own, if not properly controlled. So you have these tendencies and conditions which we learn early on in Buddhism, and we learn that uh, sometimes in samsara, that mind is a mind of its own. Uh, we're not completely in control of uh, the tendencies that our minds can... Oh, look at squirrel, right? That kind of thing. So this is early on the dissection of how the mind works and how we as conscious individuals interact within our own mind. It's fascinating stuff if you're into that sort of thing. It may lead a person astray if properly controlled, directed, and integrated. And that's that integration of the 3,000 realms that we'll get to. Um, ennobling uh, somebody. One may make Sita turn according to his wishes, most effectively by developing skill in meditative concentration, which brings mental calm and clarity. So this is early stages of meditation, right? Just trying to grasp the mind as it pings around and seeing whether or not we can capture one of those monkeys and get it to do tricks for us or just calm down. <laughs> right? Our ring-ping-pinging thoughts flying through our brains, yeah? You ever have trouble sleeping at night? They call that racing thoughts. There they are, those monkeys running all over the place. Can you subdue them? How do we do that? Of course, as practitioners of the Lotus, we know that Namo Myorengekyo engages all of our skandhas and samsaric consciousnesses and calms those monkeys down, or at least puts them in another room that we don't have to listen to them as we bring focus onto a Gohanzen portal, right? All right, so let's continue here. An individual undergoes many different states of mind. Uh, uh, 
This is somebody who asks, which Sita? For Sita is manifold, various, and diverse. Generally speaking, a person will operate with a collection of changing mindsets, and some will occur regularly. While these mindsets determine the personality, they are not in control of them in and of themselves, but fluctuate and alternate, right? We've already discussed this. There is thus the need for meditative integration of personality to provide a greater, more wholesome consistency. So you can see right away this dialogue, this written entry, is from a perspective of early Buddhist practice, not Lotus Sutra. Regarding volitions, there is a similarity between Vijnana and Sita. They're both associated with the qualitative condition of a human being. Vijnana provides awareness and continuity by which one knows one's moral condition. Ugh, I can't stand that, right? And Sita is an abstraction representing that condition. Therefore, I think this way about those things, right? See, again, uh, the mind being broken down extensively here. Sita is therefore closely related to will or volitions, uh, good or bad, doesn't matter. This connection is also etymological, as Chitta comes from the same verbal root in Pali as the active terms meaning to will, to, to put, to right action, thought. Sita also reflects one's cognitive condition or progress. Additionally, Sita is a mindset that can come from contracted, i.e. unworkable, distracted, great, uh, grown great, composed, or the opposite of such qualities. It can be dominated by a certain emotion so as to be terrified, astonished, or tranquil. It can be taken hold of by pleasant or unpleasant impressions. A host of negative emotional charged states can pertain to it, or it may be free of such thoughts, uh, vital for the development to purify it. For a long time, this citta has been defiled by attachment, hatred, and delusion. By defilement of citta, beings are defiled. By purity of citta, Beings are purified. So all of this is from early dialogues about Sita, demonstrating that our impressions and therefore our thoughts and our motivations, the way we see the world, is highly influenced by our our Sitas, our our our, um, our vijnanas, our predispositions. Yes, but also constantly under the influence of outside influences that's that whole mess of words is saying okay and as we learn very simply into 3000 realms in a single thought moment there it is this this is constantly happening all the time so to maintain a clear view is no small task and that's why we want to maintain that buddhaness that buddha eye through all of these realms so that we can start to rein in and focus our lives on what is maximal, not extraneous. Hmm? In Mahayana, Sita, in some schools of Mahayana Buddhism, came to be associated with the Alaya Vijnana, the storehouse consciousness, right? The eighth consciousness, where all our karmic freight train uh, I, I don't want to say resides because that sounds permanent, but it's where 
its influence, its influence of initial conditions and tendencies is represented by our physical expression moment to moment to moment to moment and constantly being influenced by those moments of the 3000 realms of environment and self and other influencing not good bad or otherwise just influences and do we want to maximize those influences or do we want to let influences compound previous tendencies and conditions not necessarily leading to a happy life, right? That's the whole game, the whole ball of wax right there. In some schools of uh, like Tibetan Buddhism, Sita is an ordinary mind or the mind of uh, dualistic discriminating thinking. Its opposite is Rigpa or pure awareness. Note that in other schools of Mahayana, ordinary mind refers to the original mind before dualistic discriminating thinking even arises. In Mahayana, Sita is also closely associated and sometimes synonymous with bodhisitta, enlightenment mind, or awakened heart mind. There's that heart mind thing. Uh, this usually is defined as the compassionate wish to bring all beings to enlightenment, and it is a vital aspect of Mahayana Buddhism. So there you have it, this freight train of all these different influences and pre-existing tendencies and conditions brought into focus as bodhisattva, the enlightened mind, which by experiencing everything as it truly is without distractions and influence, develops a deep compassion for this experience of truth, right? Tibetan Buddhism divides bodhisattva into relative and absolute aspects. Relative bodhisattva is the wish to be enlightened for the sake of all beings. Absolute bodhisattva is direct insight into the absolute nature of being. This is similar in meaning to the purified sita of Theravada, also an earlier vehicle teaching. Yeah? Other uses of sita, the word sita combined with other words, takes on other significant means, meanings. Uh, some examples, the Bhagavanga. Sita, the Bhagavanga, uh, means ground of becoming, and in Theravada Buddhism, it is the most fundamental of mental functions. Some Theravada scholars explain Bhagavanga uh, Sita simply as the momentary open mental state as attention shifts between objects. Others associate it with Prakri, uh, Prakriti, gosh, that's hard to say. Uh, Prabhasavara Sita, or luminous mind, mentioned below. Uh, another one is Sita Egagrata, uh, one-pointedness of mind, a meditative focus on a single object or sensation. Uh, Sita Matra, uh, mind only. Uh, we've talked about that before. Sometimes Sita Matra is used as an alternative name for the Yogacara school, of um, um, philosophy. Very simply, Yogacara teaches that the mind is real, but phenomena, objects of the mind, have no inherent reality and exist only in the process of the mind. Uh, Sita Sadantana, uh, not the guitarist, the mind stream or uh, continuity of experience and personality of an individual that is sometimes mistaken for a permanent self, right? And uh, lastly, as an example, the prakrit, prakrit, ah, 
prakriti. I can't say it. Prabhavasa Sita, the luminous mind, originally found in the Pavasara, the luminous Sutta, Anguttara Nikaya. The Buddha said this luminous mind is defiled by becoming, uh, by incoming defilements, but it is also freed of incoming defilements. So this is the state of mind where the 3,000 realms uh, is influenced and offers influence, right? Back and forth, this two-way dialogue between the mind and its influences. This is a lot of words to describe what we simply know in our modern practice as something we need to silence the monkeys and focus our Buddha mind, our mind of truth, our insight, our illuminated mind. How many words can you... Until you experience it, talking about it is just talk. So that's Sita. It's a complex term, and uh, there was a reason I avoided a lot of these old terminologies in the first volume of... uh, Buddhism reference because uh, if you you can get down into these rabbit holes and just make a whole life of pursuing what does that mean what does that mean what does that mean believe me after you do enough of that because I did plenty of it myself um, the simplicity of it just bubbles up it just does and and Nietzschean obviously knew this because he taught from that place of knowing yeah constantly saying look it's obvious look quoting and quoting these different scriptures and commentaries and teachers and everyone's saying the same thing he couldn't understand why the teachers of his day were going unless it was for selfish reasons reasons and believe me that was obvious right for political gain personal uh, power and uh, you know it's still today come on look at the political landscape today oh my goodness right is there any truth in any of it right <laughs> we live in a culture of truth no that's a lie uh what's a lie truth <laughs> so when we talk about truth as buddhists we're talking about an experience right a genuine authentic experience namo myorengekyo opens your mind to that genuine authentic experience your authentic experience of buddhaness so, Sita, helpful to know, but you understand now, right? It's an old terminology used to dissect the, the little steps of the way the mind associates, collects, identifies, hangs on to, influences, blah, 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 blah. And you spend a lot of time meditating about that, but it won't answer the question. It'll just make you more aware of how many monkeys and how loud they are, <laughs> right? Pick one. No, get rid of all of them. <laughs> Just let them be. They're fun watching them go from branch to branch in the trees. But owning them and listening to them, very much not a happy life. That's the life of suffering, yes? Dukkha, as it were. Anyway, thanks for listening. I appreciate you very much. Proud of your practice because I know it takes some effort. Yeah, but believe me, there's always a payoff, even if you don't immediately perceive it. It's uh, it's there. It's in your life because it is your life fundamentally, right? So enjoy your practice. Follow the links in the description for more free information, uh, podcasts, and patronage. 
yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Take care of your health. I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now.